and welcome to today's episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we're going to be talking about season two, episode five, which was an interesting episode. I feel like not a lot happened when he had a lot of like resolutions and um, set up for things to come. So Sophia is very angry and she's excited to express her anger today about <laughs> where the show is heading. We're recording in the morning today, so I'm drinking iced coffee in uh, grand Turkish TV time tradition, not drinking tea. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm also having coffee, so sorry about that. <laughs> I just had lunch, and I got thirsty after lunch, so I was having a glass of water. Oof. That's, that's, we're doing great again, guys. Well, I think we decided <laughs> water is tea, because if you just put some leaves in there. Right. Right. As you know, the, the leaves are starting to change here, falls in the air. So basically, I think by osmosis, I was having tea because I'm sitting outside right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So now Sophia is going to take us through what happened in this episode. Okay, so just to kind of remember what happened last episode, there was the infamous bridge exchange where Jaylon was very sadly killed and our friend Hakan got injured on the shoulder but somehow almost died basically from a wound in the shoulder, which I'm still quite confused about. Um, but anyway, he's we, fine we now, go. so it's fine. <laughs> we start with um, this scene where Hakan is in bed with Layla. And right off, like right from off the bat, you can tell that something's kind of off about the scene because it seems a little bit dreamlike. Layla's also has like a very stony glare, which I guess is kind of unusual for her to be, be interacting with, with Hakan and have that face. And they're like in this very fancy bed, like with a luxurious headboard and stuff. And so basically Layla tells Hakan, like, I don't want to be with you anymore. I don't have feelings for you or whatever. And then Zainab randomly appears on the other side of the bed. And they're kind of telling Hakan that he's like a failure, that he's making people die and like all the stuff. And then all of a sudden he wakes up. He's in the cistern with Serdad and Azra recovering from his shoulder wound. And so they tell him that John and Jalen are dead. As we saw last episode, that nobody knows where Layla is and Zainab is done with the protector and the loyal ones and everything and then so we we change scenes and we see some guys gambling in this like shady club and so Levant walks in um, wants to rob them take all the money from the gambling table and so this guy's like acting all high and mighty and he decides to shoot Levant Levant's obviously wearing the shirt so obviously nothing happens to him and he's able to take all the money and go. So then we see Hakan in the cistern. He has this funny part where he says, like, we're the loyal ones, not the whiny ones or something. Send on the subtitles. Because, <laughs> like, Azra that. and, yeah, so true. Azra and Serdar have been, they're trying to get him not to leave the cistern because they think that something's going to happen to him because basically that's what, hap- that, that's what has happened in every scene. But he's very determined to catch Levant and kill him or get killed, which is unusual, but okay. And then we see that he grabs one of the guns and decides to to go and, and head out. And then we 
turn to the immortal cistern. I don't know what we're going to call that, but like their cave or whatever, where Levant, I mean, not Levant, uh, Piraye and Mergen are torturing Leila in a very medieval way, if you ask me. So I'm I'm not going to be that chronological this time. I'm just going to go by storyline because um, they, they like cut in and out of all the storylines. And I feel like sometimes it just makes sense to be per storyline. So then we change again to, oh, well, so Leila's being tortured by Piraye and Mergen. Um, and this is cutting in and out throughout the episode. And at one point, Mergen chokes her and kills her and they revive her with Piraye's blood. So now she's under Piraye's control. And basically, they just torture her throughout the whole episode. Um, and then at the end, I'll say what happens in the last scene of the episode, which again has to do with that. Then we go to Faisal and Ruya. He revives Ruya uh, with, with the protector's blood. Um, so they're happy and like, Ruya's like, we need to go and, and complete our mission. And Faisal's like, no, you need to rest. Like, we'll talk about that later. Worry about getting better now. And so then Hakan starts looking for Levant everywhere and we get really nice shots of different Istanbul scenic like passages and bridges and markets and which is cool because I mean who doesn't want a a gratuitous um, Istanbul shot (laughs) and um, so Hakan is like literally talking to everyone in the city about finding Levant and he's just walking through this neighborhood that I guess he knows that's where Levant lived. And he finds this old man who's like hanging some clothes on a line. And he asks him about, like, do you know this guy? He goes by these names, blah, blah, blah. And he says, oh, yeah, I do know this guy. Um, come in and I'll tell you a little bit more about him. And so basically Levant like was a bad kid from the start. Like he started doing drugs and stealing stuff and kind of behaving in a bad way and so he got like in with the wrong crowd I think he like stole something from some kids or something I had a hard time with the conversations this episode I don't know if it's something with the subtitles but I couldn't get the messages from all of them but basically what I understood is that he got he like stole something and made the wrong people angry they threw a Molotov cocktail at his house and the house burnt with his parents in it or like his adoptive parents in it and he like feels angry and guilty about it. Yep. So basically that's kind of his motive. Cause at this point I was thinking like Levant is just like using the shirt to make money, which is stupid. Like makes no sense. Anyway. So then Azra and Serdar call Hakan and they tell them that tell him that there's been a robbery at a bank and it's Levant. Uh he walks in with these like very sophisticated guns. He takes out the money, which doesn't seem like a lot of money. And he basically, um, there's this kid who like tries to be a hero and get the gun and like shoot at him, but he's wearing the shirt. So the bullets like literally just bounce off his chest. And this kid is like in shock, doesn't know what to do. I I thought Levant was going to kill him very gruesomely, which fortunately he did not do because Levant at this point is like really insane. Like he's out of his mind. And so he just leaves with the money, basically. So then uh, Ruya is like, you know, in the house and she starts calling Faisal and Faisal is not answering the phone. And so she's kind of like upset because like, you know, Faisal has always been like around her all the time and like trying to see what's going on with her. But he's like randomly not answering the phone. 
Um, and we can see him like actively ignore the calls, which is kind of unusual in my mind. And so she decides to just like get dressed up, take the car, which they make a point about her, like not knowing how to use these very modern cars and go to a bar um, where she meets this guy who looks really stupid. She's like flirting with him across the bar and he's like 28 and, and she asks and he asks her like, how old are you? And she's like, mm -hmm. oh, older than you think. And apparently like they're at this bar where apparently she and Faisal had some sort of romantic moment at some point or something. And so she's flirting with this guy who's like telling her like, let's leave, let's go somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. And, um, he, and she's like, no, she just like leaves. And also at this point, Faisal is calling her and she's ignoring him now. So she gets to the house and they have this whole discussion because Faisal's like, where were you? Like, clearly you weren't kidnapped. Like, I was very worried. The protector could have kidnapped you or the loyal ones. Like, I don't want anything to happen to you. And she's like, you know, I'm not a kid. I'm tired of you treating me like one and I can defend myself. I'm an immortal as well. And I want to be active in this fight. I don't want to be like living in this glass castle and you kind of just like taking care of me like I'm a child or like a really frail woman when I can fight for myself. Which I thought was a was a really interesting um, development in their relationship finally because that was a long time coming. So then Hakan finds Zainab at the library and Zainab is like studying whatever and so he goes and talks to her and she helps him kind of figure out like what like who Levant is after, what's his motive. Um, it seems like he wants to go after the owner of the bank. So they kind of like put the pieces together. And Hakan says, like, Zainab, I want you back. And, like, well, of course, they discuss Jalen dying and how it's so sad and everything, of course. But Zainab says, I'm not, I'm not coming back to the loyal ones. I'm moving to uh, England. I'm going to Oxford to do this fellowship that I was offered, and I couldn't say no. And so Hakan's like, okay, fine. So he leaves. He goes to the home of the bank owner where he already finds that the security guard's dead. Like, a bunch of bodyguards are dead. So, obviously, Levant is around, and he... It's like whipping this guy with like a, a horse whip. What's that called? Like a. It was like a bull whip. whip or something. Okay. It was like crazy. <laughs> and not he has cool. the the horse. I I know the names for these things in the Spanish, not in English. In the guy's yeah, mouth. he has. That's horrible. That looks so fucked up. Horrible. And so he's like, has him tied up in a chair. Turns out this man was the one who like threw the Molotov. Well, I don't know if how he killed the parents, but he somehow killed Levant's parents like I guess it ties into the whole Mol Molotov cocktail story but I don't know and so basically Hakan for once ha like shows extreme emotional intelligence and is able to somehow like convince his brother to like let go and like calm down and and like move on from from what happened and they go in the car and they're going to the cistern and, and their goal is to find Layla and find obviously the immortals and kill them all but obviously, well, I guess this is my opinion, but like this is too soon to trust Levant again. And then we go back to the immortal sister, and I don't know what name we're going to have for that. But basically, we find out that after all the torture and horrible like pain, Layla has like bent her will to follow Piraye and Madgan, which I think it's like a survival thing. I don't think she actually is going to do their will. But basically, they tell her she has to kill. Hakan and then kill Faisal. So that's where the episode ends.
now we will transition into the gossip portion of the episode. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about, I feel. Yeah. I think for the immortal sister and I had proposed dungeon and I'm going to continue to propose that. Okay. Until, until it's dungeon. <clears throat> I'm, I'm fine with dungeon. It's just, there's a lot of like height to that room. Mm, I think this point was made too. And I agreed. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Just the cave. Is there like a bad cave, immortal cave? <laughs> I like that. I don't know. Wait, so Esgi, since you saw the episode and like can understand Turkish, like what was the whole conversation at the start about? Because I got a little lost in that whole like weird bed scene. Oh, the the dream sequence? Um, yeah. I, It's been a few days since I watched it, so I can't, I mean... <laughs> Were you watching with English or Spanish subtitles? English. Okay. I feel like it was, it was like a classic like TV movie dream sequence where you're in bed with the person and then they start like saying really mean shit to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was basically blaming him for all the deaths and stuff, right? Like saying Hakan, like everything you do results in people dying and then Zainab was like oh I'm also here yeah she's right <laughs> yeah I, I honestly wouldn't have been surprised if they had said that to him in real life just not like yeah. when they're lying in bed with him <laughs> uh, yeah definitely I think the three of us would give him the same feedback too <laughs> yeah good at your job <laughs> nobody's good at, at their job on the on the immortal side I'm very on the not on the protector side i'm just like disappointed time we're and time such again. big losers it's unbelievable we lose every episode we lose more and more now there's only azra and said that it's like right. what in the world it's like the, we just got the two old fogies and azra like you're supposed to be <laughs> old and wise in this kind of show and these people are dumb af well and they also let him go again which obviously was going to happen He's also completely fine after like basically bleeding out and dying. He wakes up in that yeah. bed that's his bed and also the bed his dad died in. And then he's just like, good to go. <laughs> also good. everyone's bed in the cistern. It's everyone's just, bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually it's probably good for him that these loyal ones keep dying. Cause there's more room in the bed. <laughs> that's the real plot driver here. Is yeah. how are they sleep if they don't just die. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm still kind of feeling that the show is, I feel like the writers were like lacking storyline at this point because the whole Levant character arc is just very confusing to me. It doesn't make sense. Like first he starts off stealing from these gamblers or they like also from his past life or something. And then he just like goes and tortures this guy. Like, I don't know. And and then he's convinced by Hakan. Like makes no sense to me. It was a beautiful scene, Sophia, of emotional release of two brothers bonding. I don't believe any of it for five <laughs> seconds. I don't understand why. Like, I, I really liked the scene where he robs the poker game, but there was no reason for it except, like, when we get to the final plot of him taking revenge. I don't understand why he was just robbing people. And also, what's he going to do with the money? Like, I don't know. People are going to be looking for him. Like, I don't know. I don't trust no him sense. at all. As the kindly neighbor dude said, he's been a bad seed from the beginning well and it makes no sense that Hakan now believes that he's like changed him again for the better 
he's yeah he's just desperate like really desperate to have a family slash anyone who could put up with him it would have been so much better to develop the event over i mean maybe even have parallel storylines or something totally agree totally agree that would have been interesting because then you could see you know two brothers they have the same inherited ability to save Istanbul but very different motives um, yeah. based on where they came from so it would have almost been beneficial to have two main characters. Yeah I totally agree and trying to make the turn from Jaylon last episode to oh he's a super villain and then oh he's okay now in one episode was really rough. No yeah. but I don't think he's going to be okay like there's no way that he's just going to be a good guy now if that happens then like the show is really weird what no the show is definitely no, no. weird i was just gonna i don't say. know <laughs> if you guys um follow fast and furious canon at all mm. but <laughs> there's a whole movement about justice for han because um basically jason statham i forget his real name in the movies but he's brought on as a super villain he kills one of the main characters whose name is han everyone loved him and then he turns around and becomes a good guy and is now making like spin-off movies with the rock and so everyone's really like justice for han because this fucker killed han and then we're just making him a hero that's exactly we need justice for jaylon hashtag yes. justice for jaylon folks we can get it started on our twitter <laughs> Even rhymes with Han, so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the the other thing that I thought was just really stupid and made me angry was Ruya flirting with that it like stupid looking guy in that like <laughs> oldie old timey looking bar. I like that scene. I, I like that too. Yeah. I was like, finally Ruya has a personality. Who yeah. knew? Yeah. But like weird that her personality's flirting with random guys. It like, wasn't flirting though. She was she was like very much like shut the fuck up <laughs> to that guy. <laughs> True. But like I don't know. Like also if they they should have just done a flashback of whatever she and Faisal celebrated in that bar like it would have just made more sense. You want to see them again know. really like having a uh, little like cozy scene. No. So or he's so gross rather. So he is very gross. I hate also, why, every why scene he... with them two together. Yeah. Why does he get so upset when she's like, I'm tired of being this woman in this glass castle? Like, why, does he, why is that surprising to him? Like, she's the know. same as him. Yeah. Even if he's tried to baby her for... Yeah, and like, I'm super confused about how, like, y- y'all are a different species. Like, what are these gender roles that you're all, like... Right. <laughs> Like that that's a very good embraced like I, I feel like he's um while she's been dead he's been like building up this picture in his mind of like mm. the perfect little wifey and yeah. like telling people about her and like just kind of like making these new memories of her that weren't actually what she's actually like and now she's there and she's like what the fuck bro like I'm not your yeah. little wifey yeah I but she was his little wifey for a long while I don't yes. know if it was because she was weak and like was about to die again but i don't know she she was fine with being the wifey for a bit it, it seems like <laughs> similar to like them the writers not knowing what to do with the levant story arc or how, like what to do with him basically it feels like they were content to have Rhea be this very one-dimensional wifey character and now they're like oh wait we should do something with her and now i think <laughs> now we're gonna see her like this was the first scene of her being of her acting with her own agency and like doing what she wants i guess what they wanted to show was that she got another lease on life and 
she's going mm. at, going for it now maybe that's what the point they were trying to make but it's just hard to shake it off after you know she was already resurrected once and then was like yeah full wifey and now yeah. she suddenly has a personality yeah. Yeah. yeah true true good point um, I still bad shit, so that's good at least we have one insane oh my god now. what the fuck <laughs> Faisal didn't have to torture Layla to make her. No, like yeah. I don't understand. Well, There's... these people, like their whole arc for I think for Medgen and Pidai is like they are sadists. Like they really enjoy making people suffer. I think they love that, especially Pidai. Like that's her whole arc. Do you think that because they like broke Layla? that she's going to be under their control 24-7 now without them having to, like, do the Faisal, like, I'm trying to poop and I'm constipated face? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, feel, I still feel like if, if... So Faisal seems to me to be a very powerful one of these, mm-hmm. whatever they are, immortals, like a very powerful member of the group. So if he has to, like you said, make the I have to poop face to establish a connection of <laughs> that these other ones will as well but yeah i don't know the torture i don't know if the torture will have significance or if it's just meant to show that just awful torture yeah, or yeah yeah exactly i think they just enjoy it honestly well i think obviously the point was to break her but i think they enjoy it a lot too i did have a comment about piraye i feel like i appreciate her bold red lipstick look and I also think that it's a lot easier to wear a bold lipstick when you don't physically have to eat or drink in the day. Right. Wait, but but uh, but tying back to that, because when Ruya like comes to life again, she says she's really hungry. Yeah. So that made me very curious. I was like, wait, so they do have to eat? They, they or what they do? They do? <laughs> yeah. Or what do they eat? I honestly <laughs> thought she was going to take that guy out into the back alley at the bar and like suck his blood. <laughs> Ew. The guy looks so stupid. He was annoying me so much. Yeah, he, he was looked, a douche. Yeah. Good casting for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly the way he was. <laughs> oh, also, Sammy, this scene just made me think so much about, like, so much of you because you love horses so much and everything horse related. But when Hakan is, like, very quietly going into the stable and he tells the horses, like, shh. I just thought that was so funny. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that uh, stable looked really nice and Levant shouldn't have been freaking the horses out by torturing a guy in there. <laughs> it's very unfair. <laughs> I also thought about making you guys do horses for the history section and talking about mounted archery and then I decided to have pity on you because... Oh my god. Hey Sammy, remember when we went to that horse thing in Vienna and I got <laughs> two nothing times. out of it? I made you oh. go there two different days. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah, I still feel a little guilty about it, but it was great. When I was in Vienna, like the, the trip I took after our trip, and every time I walked by the, the smelly um, lipids on our staples, I was like, Sammy. <laughs> Shaking my fist at the sky. <laughs> you loved it. <laughs> I mean, who knew horses could walk like rabbits like that or whatever they were doing? They were 
for our listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just look up like Vienna White Horses. It's, no, no, it's called the Spanish walking. Riding School. It's very yeah. famous. <laughs> Whatever is easier for other non-horse people to remember, look that up and just marvel at how this is a thing that's been going on for hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> Great shout out. Yes, we're our our next ad will be for the Spanish Riding School. Yeah, <laughs> please sponsor us. Oh wow. <laughs> Wait, are these the ones that go before the bullfighters? No. No, <laughs> no, they do like thing. fancy old style dressage with the stallions. Mm. AKA dressage. <laughs> oh, and they're, they're, they're stallions, so they're much harder to control, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Sophia appreciates it, unlike some people. Yeah. No, Sophia I, I, and my honestly... first conversation ever was this horrible <laughs> two hour bus ride from the airport with Ollie John sitting silently behind us and we were trying to make conversation the whole time and we basically just talked about horses the whole time. It was great. Did we? I, I, like, I think I blocked that out of my brain. Um, it was really well, awkward. I don't know why. <laughs> it wasn't that bad, to be honest. But look um, where we ended up, so it's fine. True, true. This looks cool, though. But in Colombia, they have like a special... Um, horse thing where they walk really slowly which drives me nuts because it's like horses are supposed to be for moving more but like faster than a human <laughs> i have no idea what that is that sounds ridiculous i'll i'll send you i'll send you a video because okay. it's ridiculous oh also they mentioned for once vizir yeah vizir Viz- i don't know yeah well i don't know how to say his name but basically like- Vizid, yeah. It's easier to say in Turkish than it is in English. I don't like yeah. the word vizir. I don't know how to say it in English. <laughs> vizir <laughs> was the one who shot Hakan, I guess. So he was the weird one in the forest. Yeah. But was he shooting to kill and he missed? Because I feel like if you've been alive a thousand years or whatever, you probably know how to... Well, I guess yeah. guns haven't been around that long. But as long as guns have been around, you've been practicing your aim. You're no, but I think... Guns have been around for a thousand years, at least. Gunpowder. China. Yeah, yep. China. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and iron has been around for the same amount of time, almost so. The immortals don't think very globally, though. So. No, no. True, true. <laughs> very true. I was really glad to see Zainab finishing her PhD, or at least working on it. I've been very concerned about her work ethic lately and she said she was gonna take the oxford position which i'm sure she won't but she obviously is not gonna take the oxford <laughs> position. it's a, it's amazing how she can go from i'm not applying to applying and getting it to like you guys predicted oh she didn't have to apply they want they asked offered her it yeah twice. oh they did oh okay okay i thought like her friend was like here's the pamphlet you should apply no she's so qualified that they were just like, please, please come to our program. Holy moly. I would love to be like so exceptionally good at my job without spending any time on it. Like that sounds, <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Well, but technically the whole immortal thing is kind of weirdly like history related somehow. Some yeah, apocryphal history. I but- mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking about like now that I'm in the quote unquote working world, as of course you both are too or are aware of it, like it just takes up so much of your goddamn time. Like you don't even have to be like, you know, even if you're good mm-hmm. at it, it's just have 
like how does she not need to spend all those hours and still get an Oxford whatever whatever that is a good point that is a very good point (laughs) I really did like their heart to heart though I thought that was nice they needed that they're still trying to build the non-existent chemistry yeah (laughs) we love watching also Hakan's like wavering levels of emotional intelligence like Sophia you alluded to in your summary like sometimes homie knows exactly what's up and knows what to say like one percent of the time but then every other time he's just as emotionally intelligent as a rock so or intelligent as a rock in general we're gonna have to say we're gonna have to qualify with emotions (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah So for our history section today, we noticed in the really cool montage of Hakan going around and asking every old man in Istanbul who his brother was and where he lived, uh, we saw a couple people playing backgammon or tavla in Turkish. And so we're going to talk about the history of the game a little bit. So backgammon is one of the oldest known board games in the world. It can be traced back nearly 5,000 years to the area around Mesopotamia. So there's a version of the game in ancient Persia, and then there's a version of the game in ancient Greece or Byzantine times. Pretty much unchanged from the Byzantine version is what we play today. It's a two-player game. Each player has 15 pieces that kind of look like checkers. And there's two dice. And um, basically you roll the dice and you see how far you can move the checkers. And the goal is to get all of your checkers off the board before the, your opponent does. It's a really fun game and it's very popular in Istanbul. Yeah, and you often see people playing it on the street. Like that's not uh, an exaggeration for the show. Like there's actually people playing it in parks and stuff. And almost every coffee or tea shop will have, and by coffee shop, I don't mean like Starbucks, but like the coffee, like the neighborhood coffee places that, you know, generally middle age to more advanced age men will populate, <laughs> hang out all day somehow <laughs> without doing anything else. They, like those kinds of places will have seemingly infinite numbers of backgammon uh, boards or sets or whatever the proper terminology is for, for them to play. Um, so it's a major way to pass the time and you, I don't know I feel like if you're not having tea or coffee and playing that in a setting like that then it's like what are you even doing maybe watching a soccer game yeah exactly <laughs> for I'm sure very, I'm very bad at backgammon and I also feel like not bad I should say but I feel like I have to relearn the rules every time I play because I play it yeah at very uh infrequent intervals and i always forget how it works and what i'm supposed to move and how many like things i'm allowed to do in one turn so i consider that's my one of my major failings as someone with turkish heritage is not like (laughs) being all over the backgammon scene but when i do play it i enjoy it it's just like right now if you told me to play with you i wouldn't even know like how to do it so i find the gameplay pretty simple but setting up the board always I just, because yeah. you have to put a pile, like different piles, like five pieces here and three pieces here. And I can never remember what it's supposed to look like. Fun fact, the popularity of backgammon surged in the mid 1960s by this dude who fo- founded the International Backgammon Association and the World Backgammon Club, which was based in Manhattan. Woo-hoo. 
And Hugh Hefner used to host backgammon parties at the Playboy Mansion. So backgammon <laughs> is sexy. <laughs> Fun fast. Sammy, you should uh, edit in part of a song called Tavla in Turkish. It's a really fun song. I don't, okay. know, what the, I don't know what the copyright rules are, so maybe not, but that would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> also, the first known backgammon dice, which were like 5,000 years old, were found in um, wow. like Babylon area, and they were made of human bones. Ew. So, very immortal style game. Here's a non-appetizing little tidbit um, from the Wikipedia page of Backgammon. Uh, so, ta- so Tavla, as Sammy already said, is the Turkish variation of Backgammon and also what you would colloquially call the game. So, <laughs> okay, the usual Tavla rules are the same as in the neighboring Arab countries in Greece as established over a millennium ago, but there are also quite a few different variants. The usual tavla is called men's tavla. Oh God, I read this. This is awful. I wasn't going to bring this up. Yeah, oh, I have to bring it up and shit all over it. The other variant, uh, kus tavla, girls tavla, is a game that depends only on the dice and involves no strategy. How dare you, you bastards. <laughs> How dare you. Women kill it at, at this and everything else. Oh, I'm disgusted. That's all. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> it sounds like a really boring game. Yeah, seriously, it depends only on the dice that involves the strategy. So what do you do? Just like wait for... You pile the ball up on the first spike and then you just roll the dice over and over? I think there's also gambling with backgammon where like you roll the dice and you can like double up and stuff, but I've never (laughs) really played it that way. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, if you're in the event, you can start some kind of a shooting frenzy. Just kidding. I was so worried he was gonna be two for two on child murder because he like put his arm. Oh my god! Child. I was sure he was gonna kill the child. Yeah, me too. But But then he did it, so I guess he's redeemed. I guess. Should we move on to our WTF section? Yes. Yes. I'm sure we have a lot of WTF material <laughs> for today. I mean, I think, yeah, for Hakan, everything is WTF this episode. Like, first, shushing the horses is funny. <laughs> um, WTF. Also, trusting Levant and taking him back again. Ugh. Like, he should have at least, like, tied him up or something and I taken know. the shirt off. Yeah, give him the shirt as, like, a sign of your goodwill or something. Yeah. Um, I have what the fuck Hakan for telling the nosy neighbor guy, oh, you should tell me because Istanbul is in danger. Like, he couldn't say, oh, he owes me money or something, like, normal. That was insane. Yeah. yeah. Who's gonna, who's gonna be, like, like, I would just be like, get away from me. Yeah, <laughs> so. what the fuck? Please don't come exactly. to my apartment. <laughs> What the fuck, Hakon, for yet again abandoning Layla? I know he's making big noise about finding her, but, like, come on. You brought her back to life, made her, like, a mind control zombie, and now she's being tortured, all because of you. And you don't seem very guilty about it. 
what the fuck yeah i also have what the fuck torture because Layla is screaming like she's being drawn but then her arms are at like 90 degrees so i'm not really sure what the pain is coming from yeah that was I, this is the third time i've watched that now and i'm like why are you so in agony <laughs> just like what is straight your arms yeah <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they don't really know how a rack works or any of those no evil instruments. But I guess like, they don't have a lot of practice torturing people. Seems oh. unlikely. Yeah, same with the bull, giant bullwhip scene and like I don't yeah. know. <laughs> like everything was very extreme. Yeah, um, and then my last one was I don't know if this was like a function of the English translation, but what the fuck, Hakan? Because when he was commiserating with Levant and trying to win him over, he was like, I killed a man once and it took me days to get over it. <laughs> Which was just hilarious. Who was he referring to? To Mazar? I think Mazar, yeah. <laughs> it took him a couple days to get over it. It was traumatizing. <laughs> I mean, he's fine now, but he's fine. Boy, those, those two days, they were yeah. rough. <laughs> I thought that was an expression. <laughs> no. So weird. I mean, no, even I don't know. I don't remember the exact words he used in Turkish, but he definitely made it seem like he was over it now. When like, <laughs> if you have an innocent man's blood on your hands, I don't think you correct. It's not correct to ever really get over yeah. it. <laughs> um, also, uh, WTF to Oxford and Zeynep's University and True. all these institutions of higher learning that I really thought were like more selective and put up a more <laughs> Gave people a harder time than they appear to. So, hey, maybe... You don't have faith in Zeynep? What's <laughs> no, wrong no. with you? No, I mean, I'm just saying that this PhD thing is way easier than I thought. So I will <laughs> be working full-time, making my podcast, and getting my PhD all at the yeah. same time. Because it looks get right like it's really doable. Yeah. You just need to get your random friend that you've never met and will never see again to hand you a pamphlet. Hand me a pamphlet, yeah. And then all my dreams will come <laughs> It's like Willy Wonka's golden <laughs> <laughs> Where you don't have to spend any time, but you get everything you want. <laughs> All right, did we do it? I think. So. I think so. I think we need to record a quick ad for um, the Lippitz Honor Stallions. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Next episode, we will be discussing season two, episode six of The Protector. We will also be recording an ad for the Spanish Riding School and hoping that Layla isn't full evil because, you know, she doesn't deserve that. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.